0: Hello, and welcome to Paper Boys. I'm your host, James. I am your other host, Charlie. And on this podcast, we are looking to take scientific papers that break the mold into popular culture. Ones where you see an article in the New York Times about a new study that shows coffee cures cancer. Yeah, you got your you got your CNN researchers have found and
1: New York Times, Fox News, whatever. Studies show. Studies show. and oftentimes this information can seem contradictory, confusing, or just oversimplified.
0: Yeah, it's boiled down into one little headline or, or clip or just a couple paragraphs of a news article when really, you know, it was a, a a scientific paper or a whole litany of papers that took years of research Yeah, to turn out. So as graduate students
1: ourselves, we read a lot of papers and we wanted to come and approach these Top science articles with a slightly more critical skeptical eye and find out what is the science behind this is it if it's good science, what are the real facts behind these articles, and what are some of the nuances that aren't displayed and if it's not if it doesn't pass the good science litmus test initially, what went wrong? Were there other studies involved, and what's the broader picture
0: yeah and and what should you as the casual science Digester, what should you really take away from this? Not not what you know CNN tells you you should take away, because we here are not trying to sell ads. <laughs> no. we don't need to make it sound sexy. It, this is this is a way for you to have you know read the paper. So for every yourself.
1: episode that we do, if you've already listened to some, you've gotten a sense of it. But for each of our episodes, we'll look at one article and dive deeper into the science. We'll then give a grade on what we think the headline deserves whether it was accurate and close to the science and deserves an A, or if it failed miserably and gets an F or anything in between. We'll also come up with our own more detailed headline at the end so that you can come away with the real facts. Yeah,
0: and then you can brag to your friends about how much science you know.
1: Yeah, and there's a great podcast that you listen
0: to. Yeah, and James has a great voice. So, folks. Test, <laughs> test. Uh, So, folks, this episode I have brought in... A story that actually was in the news pretty recently about hm. spiders. Spiders. Yeah. Do you uh, know what spiders are? You know, for the folks at home that might not know. Uh yeah. From so, the Arachnidae family, right? Yes. Yeah, so, well, of course. So uh this is a story that I just got totally taken by. I thought it was pretty pretty sweet. And I'll 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 read you some of the headlines that I saw. This one was from uh NPR. Ah. When spiders do go, no wrong. yeah. When spiders go airborne, it's electric, literally. <laughs> huh? Is it? Well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Fox News: Spiders can use electricity to fly through the air like a real-life Spider-Man. Hmm. 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 Uh, USA Today said spiders use electricity to fly thousands of miles. Research shows. Research. Research shows. So the gist of these headlines is that spiders use electricity to fly. It's a very a, weird sounding thing, right?
1: Yeah. I didn't know A I didn't know if spiders could fly. B I
0: didn't know that they could use electricity. Well, yeah, so so I'm going to I'm going to sort of not debunk but I'll I'll dive into this a little bit. But it's it's okay. a weird sounding thing, right? Yeah. It, totally I'm foreign. Intrigued. Yeah. Intrigued. So it so it turns out uh so what they're all talking about is this paper that came out um, just recently, let's see, this, this is, uh, this is July 23rd, 2018, issue of Current Biology. This is days ago. Yeah, well, it depends when you're listening to this podcast. Maybe years ago, maybe decades. Maybe decades, yeah. yeah. For all you folks We may not 2040s. be around anymore. Yeah. Anyhow. So, uh, this came out in uh, Current Biology, which is a, a pretty well, a very reputable journal. Okay. in the biological world, as I understand. I'm not a biologist. But, but it seems like a good source. Yeah, disclaimer. And uh, this was authored by Erica L. Morley and Daniel Robert, but uh, Morley is the is the first author, so, so we'll be talking about her mostly. From where is she from? This is uh, Bristol University in the U- United Kingdom. Okay. Or Bristol College, I'm not sure, but Bristol. You know, good old Bristol. We've all been there. Uh, so, yeah, Bristol. Basically, it turns out that... Spiders can fly, which I didn't know. But this is like a very well-observed phenomenon. They, Uh, yeah. And this is all species of spider? No, it's, I believe it's only some species. Okay. And there's, it's a certain genus. I think it's a genus. Again, I'm not a biologist. I think it's a genus called Aragone. Huh. And there may, it it may be a broad, it may be broader than this. It may be more broad than just that genus. Okay. Um, But they call these aeronautic spiders, basically cool spiders that can fly and what what the conventional wisdom has been for hundreds of years is that spiders will shoot out a little strand of silk which they make their web out of they shoot out a little strand of silk and the wind catches this strand and the aerodynamic forces on the strand pull them up into the air and then they can fly okay and this is like uh, a sail It's like a sail, yeah. It's sort of like a sail. Um, But it's actually more like a balloon. So the actual scientific term for spiders flying is ballooning. Ballooning? Yeah. Okay. And while I won't tell you the title of the paper yet, because it'll spoil it, but this paper is about ballooning in spiders. All right. And ballooning is something that has been observed for literally hundreds of years. Like sailors have observed spiders being caught in their sails when they're a thousand miles from any land. Wow. Yeah. That's got to be very confusing. Very, you don't understand the mechanism. It's pretty crazy, and probably the most famous mention of it in more historical accounts is Charles Darwin. Ah, when he's on his HMS Beagle, it's the Beagle, oh, the right? The Beagle, yeah, the old okay. Beagle. Okay, just want to make sure I'm not confusing that with. You know, She's a good dog. Yeah, <laughs> not a literal dog. <laughs> so he when he's on his you know famous journey and uh, he wrote about. He wrote about observing, you know, hundreds of spiders flying up into the air all at once and and do this thing. What a sight. Yeah. And that's like a a thing that has been observed. And I feel I think they call it not mass ballooning events, but like mass, oh, mass dispersal. Sort of like the
1: the Albuquerque Balloon Festival equivalent for spiders. Of
0: spiders. So a lot scarier than the Albuquerque (laughs) Balloon Festival. Yeah. So this is something that's been observed for a long time, and like I said, it's always been thought to be aerodynamic forces. But uh, what this paper suggests is that it's not aerodynamic. It's actually electric fields. Wow. Okay. So they're they're riding the electric field, the gradient. Yeah. So the idea is that the spiders are shooting out their web, and the web is negatively charged. Okay. And there's uh, what's called an atmospheric potential gradient in the air, which is an electric field. Okay. And, and then the web interacts with that field to pull them up. So before I go more into the science of that, I'll, I'll sort of walk you through this paper. They start out and they, they sort of reference that there's been a longstanding debate or, or they say that you know it's always been understood that this is an aerodynamic effect. And they reference a, a paper from... 1830 whoa and so i tried to find this paper and i wasn't able to find the exact paper but i was able to find the book that the paper was about Does okay that makes sense yeah so the the paper was by a guy named jay blackwall and he was writing about a book by john murray okay the book by john murray is called researches in natural history and it, i think john murray just did this expedition i forget oh no not an expedition he, i think he just did these studies in england somewhere in the united kingdom and it's about all sorts of different things it's kind of funny reading back and seeing how these scientists then studied spiders and then they also studied um, shrimp (laughs) and they also studied volcanoes and the things you'll do when you don't have twitter yeah exactly you know now you'll have entire teams of researchers working on just locomotion in spiders
1: Obscure species of shrimp and how it behaves it yeah. between midnight and one a.m. in this part of the Atlantic Ocean. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: So the, this guy was somewhat of a Renaissance man. He studied it all. Yeah. Uh, wow. He has, he has two whole chapters on just spider flight, ballooning and spiders. Were you able to get some <laughs> of the text from the book? Oh yeah, I I read the chapters. So it's funny because when you look up ballooning and spiders on Google Scholar, you just see tons and tons of papers about aerodynamic forces and this wind model for you know the speeds at which and it's all about aerodynamics and a lot of these papers will say you know it's uh, well this paper says you know it's never been suggested that it's electric fields or it's never been proven that it's electric fields yet the first thing that john murray says about these flying spiders he says well first he says it seems to us probable that the phenomena of the ascent of the spider will be found ultimately connected with the meteorology of the atmosphere which is important because that actually has a big effect on the electric fields in the air so the uh, actual wo- terrestrial weather that's happening yes has an effect on the spider's ballooning and yes. he predicted that in the 1830s and he predicted that in yeah in 1830 and uh, and he actually says that these spiders are are somehow able to detect meteorological phenomena he, he observes that if the spiders tie their web unusually short then the weather is likely to become rainy or windy wow and if they tie their webs long the weather will be serene and can continue to do so for about a week or more Th- that's okay so this is fascinating just a quick tangent
1: mm-hmm. you mentioned that by looking into spiders web you could predict the weather for almost a week yeah because this is pre-telegraph times and so there's an, this is a side tangent, but there's an interesting article from England in the time of the Telegraph. And a guy showed up in the House of Lords, so like their equivalent of the Senate, and he came up with this proposal that using the new Telegraph, so this was like late 19th century, they would be able to predict the weather for almost 24 hours in advance. And he got laughed out of the building. What? Yep.
0: Laughed out of the building.
1: Yep because they thought it was preposterous that you could ever predict the weather. And here's this guy, you know, 60, you know, 50 years before observing spiders and coming up with pretty good predictions.
0: Yeah, and the spiders are able to predict the weather. And he says, um, if the spiders are totally inactive, rain will likely follow. If, while it's raining, the spiders start, you know, becoming active again, it means that it's it's going to be a short rainfall. So the spiders, while it's raining the spiders are able to tell that it's going to stop raining. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Those are some... Uh, If a spider makes a change to its web between 6 and 7 p.m., then (sighs) they indicate a clear and pleasant night. So they can tell that it'll be a good night for for sailing or for, I don't know, doing fun night stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You know, building a nest and staying at home. Yeah. That's crazy. It is pretty crazy. So already you have this interesting observation that spiders are somehow able to detect things in the atmosphere right Mm -hmm. which is unusual i mean we can't really do that no i couldn't tell you it's going to rain for a week
1: my knee starts to hurt but it could be for many things (laughs)
0: yeah so then he starts talking about actually how um how spiders fly and he describes it as the ascent of the wingless spider into the atmosphere hmm very poetic yeah. He says that, you know, this is not a new observation. There's other scientists have observed this, but no one has ever offered an an explanation. And he kind of go he kind of talks about different times that that people described seeing this. But anyway, he goes on and on and he says he tells a story of these scientists just a few years before who were working on an experiment with one of these spiders. And suddenly the spider ran towards their open door where there was a warm draft of air coming through. And when it got into this, is, this warm draft of air, it did, their, it did its little ballooning into that draft of air. So and against the flow of air. Against the flow of the air. Here's the quote from those scientists. The angle of vision being particularly favorable, we absorbed an extraordinary aura or atmosphere around the thread, which we cannot doubt was electric. So wow. In 1830. He observed it. Yeah, these guys. He concluded it must have been electric. Yeah, these guys. These guys saw uh, an aura around the web in this little draft of air, and they said it. We cannot doubt it was electric. So for the all the aerodynamic articles that you saw after this, this was certainly not a cited work. Exactly, they clearly didn't read the one, the two chapters that their entire field of research is based upon. Wow, is
1: this in any of the mainstream articles that you read about the spiders flying? Did they bring this up? Or is so this brought up in the current biology?
0: The current biology, the um, the Morley paper, does sort of say that people have thought about it maybe in electrical terms, but never proved it. And what okay. they more talk about is that people have shown how it couldn't be aerodynamic. But they don't really say okay. a whole lot about the basis of the electricity theory.
1: More showing what it couldn't be,
0: but not really showing what More showing what, what it, it couldn't be, yeah. And most of these articles don't the news articles don't say that it could be electric i believe the npr article is o- the only one that says electrostatic forces have been posited but there was no evidence you know and that's where this research came from but the other ones don't they just say oh new discovery okay so it's interesting that that john murray in 1830 was already saying and then he goes on for the next chapter and a half going in super detail about why it has to be electric forces and a couple little little I'll say experiments, quote unquote experiments for you know scientific for the time, I guess. Yeah. Where they dunk spiders underwater and see if they're dead when they come out. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> Hard to see how that relates. But Yeah. So but he does, you know, a couple of experiments like when there's the spiders have multiple strands, they um they repel each other. Oh, the strands do. Right, which is an electrostatic yeah. you know, if if two of the strands are electrostatically charged, they would repel each other. Hmm. And so he observes those sorts of things and says, clearly this is electrical. Um, And then he goes on to to try to also disprove why it could be, how it could be aerodynamic forces. Charles Darwin himself was the one who first, I don't know if he first said, but he was the one who mused on the idea that it could be these um, thermals, like these rising, right? Rising air and and that air, air. Yeah. Okay. And so maybe that's where, you know, because he's a much more credible scientist, people maybe picked up on his theories more than anyone else's which is a sign that especially in science you should not just take it at face value exactly yeah you can't just appeal to the authority you have to you have to go with the evidence yeah so so there's a bunch of you know funny little side notes from this book that just uh (laughs) you know here's a good example of the shoddy experiments that they do there's another scientist mr rennie is what he's referred to as in the book he tries to prove that it's aerodynamics by holding a spider in his hand and he he blows on it and then the spider releases a web a strand and then he says well clearly then it's aerodynamics that seems more like a defense mechanism so you don't fall (laughs) off a hand yeah the spider's like dude stop blowing on me (laughs) it'd be like it's windy i'm gonna tie a rope on this mountain so i don't blow away yeah and well it does turn out that you know they it the wind is sort of a contributing factor but it's more just hilarious how uncontrolled of an experiment this is. He's like, just, ooh, okay, let me write a book well, on this. Yeah, guys, mystery solved. Yeah, I got it. Huh. Anyway, this is pretty funny. Oh, he also, and then John Murray, he he goes off on Mister Rennie. He's he's not happy with with that experiment. He says Mister Rennie has actually seen them endeavoring to ascertain. Well, then he he's quoting Mister. <laughs> He's, qu- he's quoting Mr. Rennie now. Cold. Mr. Rennie says, Endeavoring to ascertain in what direction the wind blew, or rather, which way any current of air is set, by elevating their arms, as we have seen sailors do in a dead calm. So Mr. Rennie blows on the spiders. The spiders lift their arms up, going like, ah! And then he says, oh, that's what sailors do when they're trying to figure out what direction the wind is coming from. That doesn't sound very scientific. No, it's the opposite of Scientific. Yeah. You're first of all you're anthropomorphizing these spiders <laughs> to the sailors to make a scientific statement. It's yeah. ridiculous anyway. I thought it was funny. John Murray was very unhappy uh with with those kinds of things and he wanted to set the record straight. And apparently he didn't because it took <laughs> it 170 took, years we're now 200 years later realizing oh electric fields are causing this ballooning effect. Man, you know, <laughs> you talk about
1: the giants of science. You got your Charles Darwin's, your Isaac Newton's, your Albert
0: Einstein's. Where's John Murray on the stand Yeah. You know, you, then you got your deep cuts, your yeah. John Murrays. Yeah. Your Mr. Rennies. Yeah. Who you could got, forget? <laughs>
1: the soldiers in the trenches doing the real science. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, blowing on spiders, dunking them underwater.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Anthropomorph anthropomorphizing them.
0: Yeah. Is that a word? Uh anyway, so so I thought that was an interesting little side read because it was, it was referenced here in the paper and it, it no that told us 200 years ago what this effect is and no one listened. I think it's a great point into the importance
1: of reading too. It is, it is. You can't just go surface level. And you can't just cite the references that someone did in the paper before you and call it good.
0: Exactly. You need to read that paper and make sure that what they're saying is consistent with what, what your paper is citing.
1: Yeah, because people, I mean... Of those aerodynamic papers that were released, like that probably
0: led to people's degrees and oh, they're yeah. just like wrong. Yeah.
1: One paper could have maybe steered them.
0: For sure. Yeah. So now just sort of again, going kind of through this paper, er- uh, Erica Morley, she, she talks about this atmospheric potential gradient, which was first studied in the early 1900s. And basically it is just that the ground is grounded electrically. Mm-hmm. That's why we call it electrically grounded because the ground is at a zero. zero net charge, you could say. And the clouds, or you know, even just sort of in the sky, you may have some buildup of charge. And so the charge difference between what's in the sky and what's on the ground sets up an electric field. Mm-hmm. And um, on a, a clear day in a flat field, this atmospheric potential gradient, I'll, I'll call it APG from now on, because that's how they call it in the paper. The APG is about 120 volts per meter, which is okay. actually pretty strong. I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't come up with a good analogy for this, but um, you know what? I think what your the electric field that your cell phone giving off is like millivolts per meter. It's small. Okay. This is 120 volts per meter. I did look this up. Oh, you did recently when just
1: quickly it sounds like inside of your home with like kitchen gadgets on granted these are pretty high power devices you might be between 20 to 200 volts per meter okay so it's it's a potential that we experience okay. in certain c- circumstances but okay. it is there's electric there's electric electrostatic
0: forces going on like it's definitely present okay that so, so there's electric fields around us of about that strength and yeah. the the apg is 120 volts per meter okay so that's on par with with what you have in your house right yeah but that's only on a clear day in a flat field um, if you have yeah. things with sharp geometric features like a, a leaf or a branch they have you know they have points and the electric field will tend to bunch around those points and you could get um, you could get several kilovolts per meter. Wow. So thousands of volts a meter. The electric field, sometimes around a plant with, with lots of sharp features, it can sometimes be so strong that in, it induces a corona discharge, which is literally ions being emitted into the air because it's such a high electric field that it, it excites the, the air into a plasma. Wow. Around the plant. So is that like a spark? Um, no, a, sp- a spark is is more of like an arc discharge. A corona okay. discharge would be... It's hard because you can't usually see it in the atmosphere. You'd have to take a long exposure picture ah. to see it. But think around a transformer on a power line. Yeah. Has such a strong electric field around it. If you took a long exposure picture of that, you would see a corona discharge.
1: Okay. Yeah. So this is happening all the time.
0: Trees are just having this corona discharge. Not all the time. It So like I said before or I hinted at before, it is actually, it's tied to the weather. So things that exacerbate this APG are storms, okay, thunderstorms, obviously. In a dry place. Um, even like storm. overcast conditions, you can get, you know, a kilovolts per meter kind of situation. Wow. So you're starting to see why the spiders would use electric fields it's, if it's tied to the weather and they can detect weather phenomena, right? Yeah. You, f- so you feel kinda, the clouds coming in yeah. throughout your web. Yeah, you so take it to Boston. Exact. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so now, uh, Erica Morley talks a little bit about the spider silk, and it turns out spider silk is an electrical insulator. It's it's at the bottom of the what's called the tribo triboelectric series, which is just something that ranks a material's tendency to gain or lose electrons. Okay. So if it's at the bottom of the triboelectric series, it means that it has a high tendency to build up a negative charge if it comes in contact with something else. And air is another something else. So just being in air, especially when uh, you have uh, a lot of charge in the air, like during a storm, it is going to have a tendency to pick up electrons and become negatively charged. Okay. So that's why why John Murray observes these spider silks repelling each other, because they've picked up negative charge. Okay. And so the silk itself is picking up electrons from the
1: surrounding environment. It's not the spider. The spider's not like, you know, from physics, you have a
0: Teflon rod and uh, like a wool rag. That's and... exact same phenomenon. Okay, but are the spiders... Teflon is also very low on the triboelectric series or very high, I forget. It, either way, it's, it has a tendency to build up a charge. Do the spiders have to
1: manipulate the silk in any way to actually apply it? It's just the nature of it and it picks it up from the air.
0: Right. Just okay. air passing over it the same way you pass the wool rag over, over the Teflon rod. Okay. So, the spider silk will build up a charge, and then they believe that this charge is what allows them to to fly when hmm. there's a strong electric field. So, they conducted an experiment to prove that this was the case. Again, this had been theorized, but no one had ever gotten empirical data to show that this was the case. So, what they did is they took these uh, linophid spiders, which are from this Aragon genus, and they put the spider on a cardboard strip inside of a plastic box that... Uh, they were able to use both to generate an electric field that would simulate the APG, and it also um, blocked out any air currents. So they were able to control for the possibility of it being wind. Okay. So they also did the the experiment in an acoustically isolated room and with a Faraday cage. So they they limited all other sources of interference. Ju- they just had an electric field, and then they generated uh, electric fields of zero voltmeter, which is the control condition and then 1.25 kilovolts per meter and 6.25 kilovolts per meter which sort of encompasses all the field strengths you'd see for any you know weak or strong conditions in nature yeah like a like a strong storm or just like kind of a little bit of an overcast kind of hits all the marks okay what they found is that uh spiders show a significant increase in ballooning in the presence of an electric field so hmm when they turned on the electric field, the spiders just tried to fly.
1: So for each of the test cases, zero, 1.25, and 6.25 kilovolts per meter, they just said, did the spider fly? Yes, no. And count how many times that happens in each of those cases, yeah. several times.
0: Yeah, so what they were looking for is, is um, whether the spider would attempt to fly or, or whether, it I guess, it did fly. And so they measured it at zero, and they had some number of it trying, which was probably no times, right? And then they did a statistical analysis on the number of times that the spider dropped a drag line, which is how the, what they call it. Okay. When it shoots out a web and tries to fly, it's dropping a drag line. They did a, uh, this statistical analysis. So at, at 1.25 kilovolts per meter, um, there was a, uh, a Z-score of 2.95. And the Z-score is just a measure of how far above or below average this phenomenon is. So 2.95, that's above average. Yeah, it's measured in units of, of standard error. So okay. I, I don't know how exactly the standard error is measured, but then they give a probability of this occurring at random. So so if you've ever heard like a, a P test in statistics, mm-hmm. P is basically just the probability of getting this Z score by chance. Okay. And in this case, getting a Z score... Uh, of 2.95 is has a probability of 0.3 of percent by chance which okay. means it's statistically significant that they dropped more drag lines yeah and then at at, at uh, 6.25 kilovolts per meter the probability of it being by chance was less than it was basically zero okay it was less than 10 to the minus six is what they said okay so well off in this right so they proved for sure that the presence of an electric field causes the spiders to attempt to fly. Hmm. Which is interesting because they they always thought it was the wind, you know, (laughs) blowing on the spider in their hand. You know,
1: he blew on the spider in his hand. That seemed like evidence enough, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, he didn't give us the Z-score or anything, but it's probably (laughs) pretty high.
1: Yeah,
0: that's interesting, though. That's a good experiment. Very, like, cut and dry. Very cut and dry. It's very, you know, there's just one change and they see a big difference in how the spider behaves but it's amazing that no one had done that previously exactly and so i I guess my one criticism though is that they didn't they didn't do the exact same test with a breeze yeah that would be the next question yeah they didn't give a z score with the p test for um you know a wind speed of one meter per second and a wind speed of three meters per second you know they're just opening the doors for another phd yeah well you know maybe you and i can set up that experiment next yeah. Just go out there grab a couple spiders. You grab the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds um, like a great little summer experiment. Yeah, and it's cool so uh they said that these and these spiders um I'm assuming they were they were hatched in a lab. They said the spiders unlearned response to electric fields is to engage in ballooning. And then once uh so they did this without being taught to do it. Wow. It's just instinctual. Hmm. And then uh once they were airborne when they turn the electric field off, the spiders would fall back down, and then they turn it back on, and it floats back up. That seems like proof right there. Yeah, so it's that's very clear proof that it is electricity that's causing the mo- the motion into the air. The one thing that you can't measure, though, you know, is how much fun are the spiders having? Oh, it looks great, like a lot of fun. I have a video of it. Really? Actually, there yeah. is. Okay. Yeah. If you want to see it, I could play it. It's part of the current biology paper. Yes. This is a video from their experiment. It's pretty awesome. So, actually, you can take a look. Voltage off. He starts sinking down. Guys, this is great. Voltage on, and he just hovers up. It's like a UFO. We will definitely
1: link to this. So, keep an eye out for it.
0: Look at that smile, too. Yeah. He's having a blast.
1: People pay a lot of money for experiences like this.
0: Yeah. It's like a spider amusement park. (sighs) Anyway, for science. For science. Yeah, so this shows very conclusively spiders detect electric fields and they respond to them. And, it, and what they do is they try to fly. And that's why the title of the paper is Electric Fields Elicit Ballooning in Spiders. But so then they went on and they, they were wondering how do they detect the electric fields? Mm-hmm. Which is okay. a natural nat- yeah. question, right? Because if you're going to argue that they respond to them, you have to be able to show that they're capable of feeling it. Is this like, get into quantum electric spin? no it's actually not that well maybe at the you know atomic level who knows well okay i'll talk about that in a sec but go ahead wait what were you gonna say so i watched this great
1: like pbs series or something like that something on netflix yeah about quantum mechanics i think this researcher either in the netherlands or norway this might be a good future podcast episode. okay don't
0: spoil too much
1: He's looking, all right, long story short, he's looking at how birds are able to navigate and detect the magnetic field of the earth. Hmm. It's long been hypothesized that uh, animals can detect the magnetic field and use it for navigation in sort of unideal conditions and still find their way home. But it it begs the question of how can you detect the magnetic field when it's so faint? Yeah. And one theory is that in their eyes, there's this mechanism that sort of, magnifies the magnetic field through quantum basically quantum computing like looking at this the momentum of an electron spin
0: Jeez. but anyways okay well it's interesting you say that because th- this also talks about there's multiple types of arthropods which is animals with exoskeletons which spiders are i think bees are also arthropods crabs because so there's multiple types of them that are able to detect electric fields Huh, and okay. so what they're trying to do here is 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 draw parallels between them and see if spiders are doing the same thing. So they they have these um, these little sensor hairs called trichobothria. Tri- I don't know if I'm saying that right. Tri- okay. Trichobothria. Are these like the little hairs on the exoscales on the outside? I think so. Yeah. And what they what they did what uh, Erica Morley did in this paper was to test the response of these trichobothria to electric fields. So first they took a little steady air current and they blew it on the spiders and they observed the deflection of these trichobothria by just a steady air current. Mm-hmm. And they noticed that it deflected and it stayed deflected as long as the air was on and they turn the air off and it, and it returns to normal. Okay. Right. So that's like exactly what you'd expect. Just like our hair. Yeah. And, and for, uh, you know, as a reference, these trichobothria are capable of sensing like tiny air motions and... Like very faint sounds, and there really? have been some studies in the past that suggest maybe they can sense electric fields, but no real, no like hardcore investigation into it. Right? Do you, does it make you wonder at
1: all? If from our previous episode talking about if you can hear meteors, if there's some tie to that
0: through our own auditory system? Like these trichobothria are a, a transducer of some kind, and maybe we have a, a transducer like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. we have. To I got that. real hairy ears, so yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Quite possible. Quite possible. So yeah. So uh, so anyway, they blow the steady air on; it's statically displaced, and then when they turn it off, it goes back to normal. Okay. Then they turn on a steady electric field, and they notice something different. The Trichobothria moved the most right when they turned on the electric field, but then they steadily just return back to normal over time, even while the electric field is still on. So it's actually that they respond to the change in the electric field. So the spiders know how to take a derivative. Exactly. That's exactly it. Wow. And it's interesting because what you were saying about magnetic fields, the magnetic field is directly linked to a change in an electric field. Yeah. That's Faraday's law, right? Yeah. Or maybe I have it backwards, but it's... Maxwell, yeah. Maxwell's yeah, same thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maxwell's equations say the change in the electric field induces a magnetic field. And so I thought that was interesting because their motion of their trichobothria is directly correlated to... What an induced magnetic field would be from this change in the electric field. Wow. And That's then they tested it um, doing not just a steady electric field, but like a slowly oscillating one, which is what you would actually observe with clouds passing overhead. Okay. And so did they see the corresponding sort of oscillatory motion in the trichobathria? They did. They saw, yeah, exactly. They still saw this kind of oscillating motion corresponding to how rapid the change in the electric field was. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. So they're definitely, they are definitely responding to the electric field and sensing it. And it also makes you wonder about how when John Murray is noticing that they can sense the weather ahead. Yeah. Is that the, maybe the APG is changing ahead of the storm. And because they can detect the changes, they know what's coming.
1: So this is interesting also just for other animals' ability to detect things like earthquakes and exactly things like that maybe it makes you wonder if there's sort of this like very low frequency changes in the electromagnetic that spectrum around them that they can detect that we are too busy on Twitter to observe or I don't know <laughs> yeah, we're, that we're not we're our ignoring. trichobathria aren't tuned to it
0: yeah exactly well I cut off all my trichobathria so. <laughs> yeah it's a daily routine <laughs> yeah I shave mine <laughs> you know, I don't have a well-kept trichobathria on my face <laughs> trichobathria my bad. uh so, yeah. So, anyway, that it, you're right. It opens up a lot of questions like that. And they said that because they... And this is also something that has already been observed in bees, this phenomenon. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, they, they already know that bees are able to respond to electric fields in this way. And they say that because bees and spiders are very far from each other in the... Uh, I, you know, I forget the biological term for it. But basically, they're very distant cousins as opposed to very close cousins uh, of the same you know family or uh, i don't know yeah going up something like that going up the tree going up the tree they're distant but they're both arthropods and it makes them wonder you know this may be something that's common to all arthropods and that's not proven Hmm. so that needs to be looked into wow that would be a stunning discovery yeah because if these two that are so distant have it maybe it came from something common a longer much longer before than they thought and begs a
1: very interesting evolutionary question of how arthropods were endowed with this ability to detect
0: exactly, exactly. magnetic fields. And why the heck I don't get it. Yeah, what's the deal, Charles? <laughs> what's the deal with trichobothria? <laughs> <laughs> and uh,
1: Jerry Seinfeld on our, our episode next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't forget, don't yeah. forget to download.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, so they kind of just wrap it up there. They, they just say, you know, this paper is really the first demonstration of... Aerial electroreception is what they call it. Aerial electroreception. spiders. Okay. Uh, this is the first time it's been really demonstrated in a lab, empirically. They they also say caterpillars and spider mites also do the same kind of ballooning. So that's really caterpillars. Looking, yes, caterpillars no do it apparently because you know they, they spin silk. So, yeah, they um, spin. Anyway, so the story is this, you know that's that's basically the whole paper. So, with that, judging the science, what's your grade? on the paper. So, we'll do two, two grades. One for the pop news, two for the paper. Okay, so I I brought in three headlines. I would say the USA Today article is the most middle of the road. They they're pretty accurate. The headline is pretty misleading because they say spiders use electricity to fly thousands of miles research shows. This paper doesn't talk anything about how far spiders fly and how, pos- how it's possible they could do that. The experiment wasn't related to that at all. It wasn't related. And also, there's not really that much evidence that they fly thousands of miles. And the, the headline makes it sound like this is a very regular thing. But yeah, that's like a, a quick s- like. super rare occurrence when they find spiders like 1,000 miles from shore. Yeah. Very okay. occasionally. So s- so misleading. Yeah, I'll give that one like a a B. Then there's the NPR article. When spiders go airborne, it's electric, literally. This one, they actually interviewed Erica Morley for, okay. and they clearly just stuck to kind of what she said. And so it was a very good way to to boil the research down because they had the actual researcher do it. I give this one an A. A. Great article. Well, read, yeah. read that one. No gimmicks. The Fox News article, <laughs> spiders can use electricity to fly through the air like a real-life Spider-Man. I'm going to give this one an, an F-minus. It's, they basically don't say anything... About anything about the article. They also say researchers have finally confirmed a theory that the father of evolution, Charles Darwin, believed, which we know Charles Darwin thought it was the opposite. Yeah, he was wrong. He was wrong. And 90% of the article is ref- is just jokes about Spider-Man. They say this was reported in Current Biology, not the Daily Bugle. <laughs> Also, Spider-Man How- does not use electric fields. Exactly. It's nothing <laughs> like Spider-Man. Halfway through the article, they just have a YouTube clip of the Spider-Man 1960s cartoon intro. What? Completely unrelated. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Sensational. So, F minus. It just has nothing to do with the paper. It just, That's it's just a way That's to not talk even about news. Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. They, say, <laughs> they say, oh, from the genus Aragorn, there's no Peter Parker genus yet. What the? Like, are you serious? <laughs> Those, yeah, science. Big, big strike against Fox well, News on that one. Sorry,
1: Fox. Yeah, uh, you guys know. At least listening to our podcast, you know where we're not getting money from.
0: Yeah, not Fox News. I'll tell you that. So I came up with my own headlines. I came up with two, and I was trying to make these a little snappy. You okay. Know. Uh, one is: Forget wind. Flying spiders take to the skies on electric fields. <laughs> That's how the paper boy would read it. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, it's a it's an electric field flying it's an spider. An <laughs> aeroduck
0: spider. <laughs> and then my other one is uh talk about eco friendly. Spiders use atmospheric electricity <laughs> to fly hundreds of miles. <laughs> Take
1: notes, Boeing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, good. Those are my uh, two headlines. I think they they are both accurate and they're snappy. You know, I want to. My you a, editor would be uh, real happy.
1: I want to give you two A's, but <laughs> I can't really tell if it's because of the content of your headline or just how you said it.
0: That's why we're paper boys. I'm, you know, extra extra. <laughs> Read all about it. Forget wind, flying spiders.
1: Well, that was a great article. Thorough analysis, Charles. I want to dub you the next Charles Dawson from Dawson's Creek. Oh, I Charles think I say Darwin. Next
0: Charles Darwin,
1: but that was actually what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. But I'm just so absorbed in the science that I lost also I don't words. want to be wrong, like Darwin. You know. I know. Actually, yeah, the next Charles Murray.
0: Oh, uh, John Murray. No, but you would be Charles Murray. <laughs> okay, I see a descendant of John Murray. <laughs> yes, I understand. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, yep. Cool. I, I look forward to becoming the next Charles Murray. Yes, you're on a good path. Uh, great article. Great analysis. Thanks.
1: I think we've come a long way.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's all we really have for today. Uh, really appreciate anyone who was able to stick around to the end of this one. Kind of meandered away for a while, but thanks yeah. for listening.
1: And as always, if you have any other ideas, if you see any other news headlines about pop science that you'd like the paper boys to look into... <laughs> Post the, a
0: link. The paper boys are on the case.
1: Post, <laughs> post a comment. Let us know. We're excited to look into it. If you are upset with any of our analysis, let us know too. Or, or don't. Or don't. <laughs> we can't. Our fragile, our fragile, fragile egos can't take it. But thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks Tune everyone. Tune you next time.